I say we just dive right on in. We've Go got for a it, lot man. to cover. We have yeah. a lot to cover. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat this with the fact that this is not a popular subject. But uh, for those that don't know, this is Brandon. I don't think I need an intro anymore. Brandon Holthouse <laughs> of Rock Harbor Church, Pastor Pastor Thank Brandon. You. Yeah. Thanks so Thanks. much for hanging out with us. You betcha. Thanks, Pablo. Anytime, man. Love it. I love it. He is always willing to give us of his time as if he's not busy. He is super, <laughs> super busy. As always, I'm going to link down below to Rock Harbor's website. And um, I really, really, really encourage you guys to go check out his website. If you're in the Bakersfield area, I highly, highly encourage you to go to the church. Uh, you're going to get great solid meat and potatoes teaching there. So no fluff. We don't like fluff. No, not at all. <laughs> so today we are going to be covering a subject. Brandon did, uh, when was that? Was that in June already? Yeah, back in June, I did something uh, on the false prophet. And um, we, we, I talked about not, not pinning the tail on the donkeys per se, but saying, okay, if things went down now, if the rapture were to happen today, who would be the leading candidate for the false prophet? Yeah. And that I think everybody will say that studies prophecy that, well, the leading candidate, the guy that seems the most close to the, the, the biblical picture, he's got to be the Pope. Yeah. And again, we don't, we don't want to go too far out there and say, that's the guy. Um, yeah, no. You, you know, what we're trying to say is, like I, I said at the conference, I said, we're looking for pattern. And in, in the, the Hebrew understanding of prophecy, you look for pattern and like with the abomination of desolation, there was a pattern established with Antiochus Epiphanes, the fourth. And then Jesus said, just like that, another abomination is coming, which will be the Antichrist. Right. And so there's a pattern that gets established in prophecy. That's a Hebrew way of thinking. And so what I just brought out to everybody is saying, look, look at the pattern. And if I use the pattern of the false prophet and what he's going to do, then, then use that template and say, who out there right now is the closest to this? Yeah. And obviously it lands on the Pope. You can't, yeah. I mean, he's the biggest candidate. I mean, if he was running for office of false prophet, um, he's your leading guy. Yeah. So I, I got to say what, so you said, which I love if the fall, if, okay, big, if, yeah, if. if, okay. Capital letters. If the false prophet um, is alive, I personally think he is. That's my opinion. I'm not putting words in Brandon's mouth. Okay. This is my personal opinion. Just like I also believe that uh, there's always been an antichrist waiting in the wings because Satan does not know when that's going to happen, when he needs to be, when the rapture is going to happen. So he's got to have someone always ready. But I do believe that the false prophet is, is alive. I, that's my opinion. And, and I could be wrong. And at the end of the day, if we go 50, 60, 80 years and I'm in heaven, you know what? Oh, well, you know, I, it was just my thought based on what I'm seeing based on the seasons that we're living in. But Brandon said, if the false prophet is alive, he needs to be taking notes on the Pope. Right. <laughs> right. Didn't you say that? I have said that. Yeah, I love that. So true. <laughs> love it. So true. But this is a really, really heavy subject. I really, really enjoyed what Pastor Brandon had to say. And we're going to dive into a lot. Let's see how much time. I mean. I don't know. We're not going to be able to get through everything. Maybe we can if we just kind of keep going and I stop talking so much. 
But I want to read Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 to 15, just to set the stage before we get rolling. So it says, starting in verse 11, Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. That first beast being the Antichrist, okay? Uh, Where was I? whose deadly wound was healed. Verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So, having laid the foundation, we can just get rolling. Before we go, Brandon, why don't you tell us the difference between the first beast, which comes out of the sea, and the second beast, beast, I better watch how I say that, beast, being the one that comes out of the earth. There's two differences there, earth versus sea. And why don't you kind of fill in, fill us in on what that means? Yeah, those are Jewish idioms. And one of the key understandings of, of when you read the book of Revelation, you have to know that I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 references uh, in the book of Revelation to the Old Testament. But nonetheless, the, the, there are Jewish idioms because John is Jewish and it's a Jewish book and you have to know the Jewish idioms. So when John employs the beast from the sea, referring to the Antichrist, the sea represents the peoples of the world, the Gentiles, and particularly, you know, uh, the politics of the world, the governments of the world, the, the 70 nations uh, that originated all the, the, the nations from the Tower of Babel. And so in context, what John is saying is, look, the Antichrist is going to come from the Gentile world, the political world, and, and he's going to rise out of that, that, that area. Um, so we already know, Daniel already says, he comes from the people um, that destroyed the temple, which would be the Romans. So it's a Gentile. Uh, so the idea of a, a Jewish Antichrist, that, 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 that's dispelled by even this passage and the Daniel passage. So he's a Gentile, a Roman uh, Gentile. Anyway, then you go to the, the false prophet, and it says he comes from the earth, okay? And then, again, you don't want to put that in the Haaretz, where it's, oh, he must be Jewish. It's, it's not referring to that. Right. Coming from the earth means he comes from very humble origins. That's the idea in the Old Testament. It's, it's very humble. He's, he's from the earth. Um, and the idea is um, he doesn't come in pomp, circumstance. He doesn't come... In glory, he does. He comes from a low level and then rises to the top. And why I I, I I related that to the Pope is that's how he is. He comes from nowhere. He came from, um, I think, uh, Argentina. Argentina. Think yeah, Argentina. Yeah. And that's so my, comes, that's my home. That's is my it home really home. okay? Well, there you go. Yeah, Jorge Bergoglio. There you go. Yeah, and so. Coming from there, if you look at how he grew up in that environment and then became a priest, he came from very humble origins. And he 
that's one of his monikers today yeah. is that he comes from a lowly status. Yeah. And so he's the, the uh, humble, you know, Pope or whatever it might be. That's what the passage is trying to say. And that's why he fits the pattern so well, because coming from the earth means coming from humble means. Mm -hmm. So that's how the Antichrist will come uh, when it says he will come from the earth. You mean um, the false prophet? I mean, sorry, false prophet. Sorry, I'm the wrong guy. So, so uh, here's the thing. I'm going to play a video real quick because you played it at the conference. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll play it right after we're done talking. But just to kind of set it up, this is uh, this is a trailer, I believe, um, on the it's a movie about the Pope, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. Check this guy. Check this out. And I and, uh, hope you guys uh, are blown away just as much as I was when Brandon played it. Boy, howdy. No matter what divides us, his words unite us. For the first time in history, the Pope opens his doors to address the questions and issues we face together as a leader whose faith inspires the world. I have the distinct honor of presenting to you Pope Francis of the Holy See. Buonasera. From award-winning director Vim Venders. Nos dice que no se puede servir a dos señores. O servimos a Dios, o servimos a las riquezas. Smiling here in the studio at the looks of this car, we are used to the big American limousines, and this is a Mr. Bean car by comparison, and yet it's going to take him around town. En las familias discutimos. Las familias a veces vuelan los platos. No voy a hablar de la suegra. En la familia hay dificultades, pero esas dificultades se superan con amor. In a divided world, saber escuchar. Las diferencias nos dan miedo porque nos hacen crecer. One leader has a mission. No es debolezza lo tener eso. Es fortaleza. To bring us together. Abbiamo tanto da fare e dobbiamo farlo insieme. So there you go, folks. Um, crazy video. Again, it's a trailer. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed. I did. Uh, when in one of the sections when the Pope was talking about... Um, he mentions mother-in-laws, right? In one of the videos, he's speaking Spanish. The person sitting right behind him is Jim Caviezel. I didn't notice that, but he's there with the Pope. Um, I think he's a big, big fan. There was another guy sitting in the back there. He's a big time comedian here in the States. I don't know his name. I don't watch him, but he's a big name comedian here as well. Yeah. Um, but anyways, what I want you to cover, if you don't mind, is you you kind of said right before we played the video, you mentioned his humble beginnings. He's from Argentina. Yeah. But what order does he come from? He comes from, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to cover that real yeah, quick. He's Go ahead. A, he's a Jesuit, in which, yes. and I believe he's the first Jesuit pope um, they've ever had. And the Jesuits come from an order that would be more in in, in in lockstep with a secret society yeah they were used by the pope a long time ago to um 
weed out, you know, any insurrection, any rebellion or anything like that. They were basically uh, assassins in a lot of ways. They were, they were pretty evil guys. So did they, uh, they do got, the dirty bidding for the Yeah, program? basically, you know, they would be like what we would consider a proxy group for like Iran. Oh, wow. You know, like, you know, you have Hezbollah that's a, as a proxy and you yeah. don't know it's Iran, but it's Iran working through them. Sure. And so the Jesuits were very evil in that sense. They actually got so out of control that the, I can't remember which Pope, but he, um, he destroyed the whole establishment of the Jesuits. And then they, then eventually the Catholic church reinstated the Jesuit order, but they had gotten so crazy that the Catholic church couldn't control them. Yeah. yeah. And so this, this order is, is loyal to its order. Hmm. And so they is it think still it, like that. It's not as bad as it when it when it got out of control. But there is an element to them that um, kind of functions on their own. Okay. Um, they'll say they submit to the Vatican and whatnot, but they have their own agenda. They're very different than like a a Franciscan monk or a, you know any other Catholic church, a priest that comes from a different order. Yeah. And and what we we know about them is the Jesuits were the first ones to to um, practice communism in the little Jesuit communes that they created in their so-called missions. Hmm. And um, what they would do is actually practice a form of communism. This is before Karl Marx, way before. Yeah, Karl way Marx. before. Yeah. In fact, it was the Jesuits where it, Karl Marx got his ideas from the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. Um, about communal living, com- communitarianism, because that's what they would do when they established it. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Jesuits. The Jesuits have the principle of the end justifies the mean. Mm-hmm. And so in order to accomplish certain things, they're, they're willing to lie and do whatever they need to do. So let me give you an example of this. When they, they established these Jesuit communes all over the world, mm-hmm. they would, um, <sighs> how do you want to say it? However you want to say it. Yeah, you know, uh, well, I, 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 I just want to say what it is, man. Yeah. They used the native population um, as slaves. Mm-hmm. That's what they did, you know, in, in a lot of places. They, they turned them into slaves. But in a lot of places, what they did is they allowed these native people to continue to practice their false religions as long as they would bow a knee to, you know, the church and marry and, and, and pay homage then they could still practice their, their little beliefs. So in essence, that was, you know, a, a sign of ecumenicism, mm. of pluralism. Um, and so that's where a lot of this ecumenicism actually comes from. Yeah. So the Jesuits are the order uh, of the order that produces, a, has produced a lot of heresy, a lot of uh, espionage, intrigue. And I'll tell you this, even on a political level, <laughs> when you look at a lot of our leftists, yeah, they were trained by Jesuits. Jesuits. Yeah, case in point, one that is the head of a certain allergy and uh, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and so when you start realizing all of this, there's a strong line of behind the scenes of Jesuit activity. Sure. And they're always on the wrong side. Okay, yeah. they're never on the the Bible side. They're always on the the far left. Yeah. Yeah, and so that ought to tell you about um, the order, but it also tells you about our Pope. Now, think about this. Since the Jesuits typically are on the far left, where is this Pope at on these issues? Yeah, he's far left, too, on every issue. And we'll get to that because 
what I did is, again, I want to make sure that I'm not going to take credit for anything. I'm just pulling this up right now as we talk. Um, Brandon is the one that, um, that did these slides, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit, because where the Pope stands on a lot of issues that are counter Christianity, counter the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I want to make sure that we, we get to that. Because a few years ago, uh, when the Pope came out and uh, he pretty much was on the side of same-sex marriage, same-sex union, and uh, I was talking to a Catholic couple, and I mentioned that, oh, wow, it was as if, you know, it was like World War III. Who am yeah. I to, to talk bad about the Pope, you know, an infallible um, man, which we won't even get into that. If you guys want, go look at the interview that I did with Mike Gendron, part one and two, and then yeah, you can just uh, see what I'm talking about there. But Mike Gendron also mentioned the order of the Jesuits. Um, before, as I'm looking, you know, looking for those slides, talk about the Vatican. How much power does, and it is a city, it's an autonomous city within Rome. Yeah. How much power now, I mean, power, political power, financial power. How much power does the Vatican, um, you, you know, wield? Yeah, well, think about this. I mean, over two, I think it's like two billion Catholics on the planet or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so we have the Vatican that's in control of that many people. That's massive. That's huge. That's huge. That they're, so number one, they have, they have the people. The second thing that many people don't understand is they have power because of their wealth. Yeah. The Vatican is extremely wealthy. In fact, we don't know. They've tried to estimate how much money the Vatican has, and they say it's incalculable. And, yeah. and, and because of, of you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of controlling Europe and, and amassing wealth, they say they're probably the richest organization on the planet. Yeah, and make sure that I want to make sure I say this too. It's it's not just uh, there was a lot of of backdoor deals that happened in the history of the church. Yeah, Folks, the history of the church is is not uh, spotless by any means. I would probably venture to say the history of the church is quite the opposite. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, Chuck it's Smith used to say, "I have no excuse for the history of the church," but I will. I will defend my Lord Jesus Christ till the day I die. And I, I really like that. that that's yeah. really a great way of putting it. But um, they also made their money selling indulgences. Oh, man. Yeah. Right. Throughout history. And also to this day, uh, when somebody dies, you would fill out these prayer cards and you donate in order. They, they pray for you put them on the altar and they will pray for a deceased loved one to get out of purgatory quicker. Yeah. And uh, people have left entire estates to the Catholic Church. And so, yes, the the wealth amassed. So the follow up question to to that to you, Brandon, would be so we know that there are the elites we know. And I know we're getting to the false prophet right here. We're just setting things up. OK, yeah. So there's the elites. Is the pope, at least this one, Bergoglio, is he? above the elites or at the same level in your opinion and i want to preface it with your opinion okay because i don't want anybody to say oh you know what pastor brandon is saying this this and this so in your humble opinion what do you think about that i think 
I think to follow scripture, let's let's pretend hypothetically he is the false prophet. Yeah. I think the elites, exactly as the book of Revelation portrays, use him. Hmm. Because if he's going to be the false prophet, then he's he's probably going to lead the whore of Babylon. Yeah. Because what the elites understand is they 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 have to have a glue. And and since they can't glue people by nationalism, because as Daniel pointed out with the 10 toes, it's partly iron and partly clay, which which refers to nationalism versus globalism. And so that's that's hard to put together. Clay and iron actually uh, don't adhere to each other. It has to be forced. But they do know this. And throughout history, all dictators have known this. They have to spiritualize what they're doing. And they're going to use the whore of Babylon, as you see in the book of Revelation. That's why she's on top of the beast is because they're using her to make she is the glue that brings everyone together. And so I can foresee the false prophet using this false religion to bring everyone together under one banner. And so so how I would view him. Whether he knows it or not, he's a useful idiot. Yeah. And I'm using that, that term in a historical term in that he probably doesn't even understand all that is involved here. Just because look what happens in the book of Revelation. The 10 kings finally get done with her and they destroy her. Mm-hmm. And then they put the worship back onto the Antichrist. So she's used for at least three and a half years. Right. And maybe now is bleeding into our time yep. uh, to, to coalesce everyone together. Uh, under uh, this Babylonian religion. So I would say he's on that level, that he's a perfect tool. Mm-hmm. He he believes exactly what they believe, and they're going to use him. Yeah. So perfect segue. Loved it. Because you're talking about false religions, and the false prophet is going to bring together all of them into a one-world religion. Mm-hmm. So um, the Pope is uh, I'm going to put up a picture probably right now as we're talking. Um, who is it that he's signing this accord with? It's a Muslim, obviously. Yeah. And they, I don't, I can't tell you off the top of my head who it is that he's signing this accord with, but it's like a unity accord that they're signing. And they're also building that compound in Abu Dhabi. Again, I'm going to be putting these pictures up as we're talking Yeah. Um, about of the proposed um, rendering, the artistic rendering of it, but they've actually already broken ground, as you can see in the images, and they're building these three sites, these Abrahamic, they call them Abrahamic faiths. Am I right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Basically, back in February of 2019, um, Pope Francis then signed a peace covenant, and the guy's name, this is on the Sunni Islam side, Mm -hmm. Sheikh Ahmad Al Tayyib, and that's where he's kissing him, and yeah. they're yeah. signing this whole thing, and they're basically trying to quote unquote assemble the Abrahamic faiths together, which would also include Judaism. Yeah, and that's why you see in Abu Dhabi they're they're creating actually three facilities on one compound of uh, Judaism, Islam, and um, Christianity. Yeah. Um, and obviously, a f- I would imagine it's Catholicism. It's Catholicism. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, but uh, Christendom. It's, it's not going to be Rock Harbor Church. No, it's not. Dominion. We're not going to be there. Um, you know, but uh, but see, in in the globalist mind, they don't see a distinction between Protestant and Catholic. 
Right. They just they see Catholic as Christian, and so many, okay. But how many seriously? How many evangelicals see a difference between Catholicism and not Protestant? anymore? Because right? the the whole movement um, is said, you know, oh, the Reformation's over. We're going back. Uh, the we we didn't really have that big of a disagreement with Rome. So that's the whole movement now back to Rome. Yeah. And so I don't think. I mean, look at uh, Russell Moore, Rick Warren. They don't see any problems with the Catholic Church. Uh, Beth Moore, she didn't see any problem with the Catholic Church. She said she had a vision from Jesus telling her to include the Catholic Church, which believes in works-based salvation. Mm -hmm. So you're totally right. Yeah, but yeah, it would be a Catholic Church more more than more than anything, obviously. And and it's the beginning of this movement. Yeah, of bringing everyone together. Um, obviously, Islam is not an Abrahamic faith. Um, that's it's a satanic faith. Absolutely. But but um, but anyway, in the world's eyes, you know, that's how they think. Amazes me, though, that Catholicism and Mike Gendron was the one to bring this up again. I, I love giving credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Mike Gendron has um, if I can link to it, I will. I might put a, a, a PDF to this, but 10 commonalities between Islam and Catholicism. Some people might think, well, that is just too far-fetched, but no, actually it is, it's not. They even, you know, one of them, I know they both venerate the Virgin Mary. And obviously once she had Jesus, she wasn't a virgin anymore. I mean, and he had brothers and, you know, half brothers and uh, sisters, I, brothers or sisters, Brandon, both, both, both. And so, um, but there are 10, at least 10 commonalities between Islam and Catholicism that would really blow your mind. And so it's really important to read these. Again, I'm going to hopefully put a PDF document. Um, Mike Gendron is the one that did the work on that. I am not going to take any credit for that. But Mike, Mike Gendron is rock solid when it comes to Catholicism. And he is what I would call an authority on he is on Catholicism. So he is. he's great. Yeah, he's fabulous. So back to what we were doing, the false prophet is so here's a, a question is, we're going to have these supposed three faiths, right? Like kind of this, this uh, conglomeracy of Christianity, Judaism and Islam, Chrislam, I don't know. Yeah, Something yeah, basically, I, I couldn't tell you but these practice their faiths very differently from one another yet in the seven-year tribulation there's going to be a one world religion right so yes. i don't think that i well i know based on scripture they're not going to be able to do things their way but then again the jews are going to be given the ability to sacrifice because the antichrist is going to sign that false you know uh peace treaty Uh, the false uh, seven-year covenant, right? So at three and a half years, he's going to break that, but they're going to be doing their own thing for three and a half years at least, correct? So it makes me me think that maybe for the first three and a half years, there might be this, this, you know, um, mixture of these religions where as long as you follow within their guidelines, you're good, right? Bingo, you got it. And it's kind of like, see, there's nothing new under the sun. And this is where you go back in history and you go back to the Roman days because it will be the Roman Empire that's in charge. So let's go back to the Roman Empire historically and look at what they did. What they told Christians back then is you can function as long as you give a pinch of incense to the emperor. Right. Once a year. That's all we're asking you. 
You do it once a year, you're golden. We'll let you go, man. But you're going to pay homage. And you're going to put this as a priority. Yeah. And that was the big deal. So let's go. That's the principle they'll use for this war of Babylon is, look, you pay us our dues. And whether it's what, whatever you want to call it, wokeism or, you, you know, like, uh, far social leftism, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Social yeah. gospel, social justice, yeah. whatever. You know, the new trends that are CRT and all this other junk. As long as you abide by these things, then we'll let you do whatever you want. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's going to happen. And, and you're seeing the beginnings of this right now when they're telling churches and synagogues now, look, you can't operate because of mandates. You can only have 25 people in your church or you can have uh, you have to wear a mask. You have to social distance. And the church has complied. Yeah. Well, that's it. Well, if you do what we tell you to do, then you can operate. Absolutely. That's the beginnings of that. And that's why I think what will happen in the tribulation is we'll let you function, but you've got to follow our rules. So why is it that so many people, and when I say people, I'm talking Christians, are so oblivious to what, what's going on? Is it? I mean, they, they almost seem like so many uh, believers live this compartmental life. Maybe I'm speaking of Western. Okay, so maybe I, I should preface it with, Western Christians, because Ed Heinsohn was at our church two weeks ago, maybe, and he made a really good point, which I, I agree completely. You ask a, a Western Christian, hey, do you want the rapture to happen now? Yeah, I do. But, you know, maybe my kids are getting married or maybe they want to get married. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I'd like to buy, start my own business. And you can fill in the blanks of what the excuses of maybe, yeah, I do, but... X, Y, and Z. You ask a person in, in a, a country like Iran, North Korea, third world country <laughs> right. that know the Bible and they, and you ask them, do you want the Lord to come today? And they're like, dude, sign me up. Let's go. I'm ready to leave. When can yeah, this happen? Yeah. You know? And I think when I speak this, when I'm, what I'm saying is, I think I'm saying mostly Western Christians are, they're, they're totally uh, ignorant. And is it willful ignorance or, I mean, what is it that they can't see? Is it years of bad? We, we covered this in the very first interview we did, you know, Augustinianism and how it seeped into the, um, the seminaries. Yeah. But what is the deal with Christians totally oblivious to what's going on? Well, there's several things I'll mention. It's because it's not just one thing, but it's affecting all of the church and, and at these different levels. So you have the indifferent Christian that just doesn't care. And that's the Laodicean. They're apathetic. They, they, they are caught up in the world. So a lot of it can be traced to being worldly. Yeah. They love this world too much. Yeah. Just like Demas did. He abandoned the apostle Paul because he loved this world so much. And so a lot of these Christians, they don't want to give up their lives because it's affluent and it's nice and, and they like how it's working. And they have these plans in their head that they think they have to accomplish. And uh, I, I think so that's the first thing is they have a Laodicean mindset. It's a worldly mindset and they're too affluent. Yeah. Because if you're in a third world and you're not affluent, you're ready to go. This this yeah. place is is bad, but money shields you from a lot of the badness. And, and so that's why, you know, Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is if a camel go through the eye of a needle because of what money does to your perception of reality. Do they rely, do, and obviously I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. 
does the person that um, is affluent, they have a tendency of relying more on their wealth and their possessions than on what Christ does and what Christ can do. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that there's the disconnect from faith. So where does affluence lead? Obviously there's, you know, it's got to lead to what I would imagine, what complacency, where do we go from there? Yeah, it, 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 it leads to, yeah, complacency. I don't care. I'm indifferent because even if you talk to a Laodicean believer, eh, you know, they shrug their shoulders. Yeah. I want Jesus to come back. Like you just said, but their attitude is indifferent. They, they do not have an expectation for him, nor do they want to see him that bad. Yeah, because uh, they, they really love their lives here. And what the problem is in their discipleship, they have not lost their life in order to gain it. Sure. They've actually kept their life. Yeah. And they don't want to lose their life. So you tell them, look, all your plans are going to go up in smoke here. If Jesus comes back, yeah. they don't like that. Yeah. And and it's because they've built their own kingdoms here rather than trying to minister properly and understand that, hey, you're on foreign soil. This is this is enemy territory. Yeah. But you have become friends with the enemy. And so on a spiritual level, what happens if you look at Laodicean, he says, I, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. I wish you were cold or hot. He's basically saying to them, um, I could use you if you're, you were cold um, for a cold drink of water, or I could use you if you were hot for therapeutic muscles or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But because you're lukewarm and you have a mixture, you're useless to me. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these Christians are. They're absolutely useless. They can't be used. And and, you know, they're, they're the kind of Christians that come maybe 12 times a year to church. And if that and, you know, they're, they're doing their own thing, going on all kinds of vacations constantly because they have so much money. And so they're not into this. Yeah. So it, it is a willful ignorance. They're just ignoring because if they have to acknowledge reality of really how bad this is, it would totally cause them a cognitive dissonance that they couldn't handle. Yeah. And so they have to stay in denial. They have to stay away from it. And so there's a there's a psychological thing going on with a lot of Christians. Yeah, I almost sense, uh, I almost have this feeling that it's like, oh well, big deal. It'll fix itself eventually. Kinda. We'll get back to normal. Yeah, we'll get back to normal, and that's probably one of the most. I, I consider that walking the fence. You know, what yeah, I mean? you're not in, you're not out. Like the yeah. Lord said, just exactly what you were just talking about. Now I'm gonna just kind of take it maybe a little further. Go ahead. Um, we have a whole generation of kids and we were talking, uh, with this about my, uh, with my son about this, uh, yesterday, we have a whole generation that has grown up on, and I'm going somewhere with this. They've grown up on Harry Potter. They've grown up on (laughs) Star Wars, mostly Harry Potter and how Harry Potter. And yeah, I'm going to pick on Harry Potter big time because I think, Harry Potter has done so much damage to the millennial generation, um, even I'll say Gen Xers, our generation, just because um, some parents were, and I'm sorry, just don't write me emails, but I'm going to just say how it is. They were so dumb to read these to their kids as bedtime stories. And so we have this whole generation that grew up on magic. And if it's good magic, if it's a good witch, Right. Then, then it's okay. You know what I mean? Star Wars is another one. I can tell you how many believers are into Star Wars. And if you are, well, you know what? Maybe you should look a little more into how George Lucas wrote Star Wars. And if I'm not mistaken, George Lucas had a spiritual advisor, a guru that poured into him. And a lot of the influences are 
um, you know, Eastern mysticism, yeah. Buddhism, and you can name it, you know, and go down the list. But so you have this whole generation that has that thinks that the supernatural is a cool story. It's just so cute. And so in comes stuff like this, the false prophet. Let's let's just say the Pope. We're not saying he's the false prophet, but a guy like the Pope, everything he's doing, and they don't see it. They can't, they can't discern you know, right from wrong in the sense of, well, the Pope is a type, if not the, okay, but a type of the false prophet. When the tribulation happens, we've said this before, the supernatural is going to become the natural, right? Or the natural is going to become the supernatural. I always get that mixed up. So there's all of this desensitization that has happened with an entire generation of kids growing up within the church who have now grown up are either pastors of churches or either leaders in churches. And so they're not seeing this for what it is. What are the implications that we're reaping the consequences of nowadays within the church, unfortunately? Well, based on what you said, then there's a, there's a natural pull of human beings to the eternal. Cause God says, I put eternity in your hearts and Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. So every human has that in them. And it's a desire um, for really God and, and, and his abilities and his power and which are supernatural, right? We go beyond our natural realm. So there's a, there's a pull in us naturally towards God in that regard. But the, what Satan does is he takes it and diverts it and say, no, there's power over here. And, and so, so these people, it could be anything, man, Star Wars, uh, Harry Potter, it could be um, Marvel, com- uh, uh, Marvel, com- Marvel comics. Yep. Uh, with superheroes because superheroes have natural uh, or sorry supernatural power yeah okay so that appeals to a a part of us that's god-centered anyway what that does if if the person doesn't know how to balance that as fiction and and see what real power is with god in the bible they will blend the two and unfortunately in the tribulation they will not discern that the power from the Antichrist and the false prophet are satanically driven. Because all they will see are two individuals with incredible supernatural power. Yeah, and for those that that don't think so, just pause real quick. I'm going to let you continue because I want to read right here. The dragon. Who's the dragon, Brandon? It's Satan, obviously. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority, right? This is the beast from the sea. So the Antichrist is going to have... I mean, crazy power that Satan's going to give them, okay? But if we also go down and read down in verse 11 through 15, the false prophet is also going to have power. And it says, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image, which we're going to get to, that the giant. I want to play that trailer. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. But, um. He also, um, where is it here that he, right here, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Yeah. And this is exactly what I, I, I was talking about. If we think, you know, oh, the, the supernatural, how cute. How is that deception going to play out um, for Satan's advantage in the tribulation? Yeah. Well, see, what happens is called social conditioning. They're already conditioned to accept that. 
and that, well, I've seen it in movies and now I see a real person demonstrating it. They must be on the level of a very powerful individual that can actually, uh, you know, con control the forces of nature. Right. And they've been prepped for this for decades, just like they've been prepped for, you know, alien invasion. And because and I like, think about this in the tribulation, they're going to see they're going to visibly see demons. Yeah. Absolutely. OK, so what are they going to think? Oh, they're a demon. No, they're going to they're already socially socially conditioned to see that's an alien. Yeah, that's not that's not a, a spiritual being that is high, high evolved technology. Yeah. And so there, it's it's a conditioning that Satan has been doing especially about power yeah supernatural power more so now right with more than ever we, we because talk... look, at, look at the attraction now to people the young people to the occult yeah huge. they know there's power there yeah yep. it's limited but it is power yeah absolutely and 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 the you know government when a few months ago not even that long ago where the ufo i talked about this with nathan jones in the uh -huh. last interview but where it's out in the open now, you're not a conspiracy theorist anymore if you believe in UFOs or they call them uh, U, unidentified aerial phenomena. Yeah. UAPs. UAPs or something. Yeah, like UAPs. That. And so, um, you know, like Brandon's saying, it's out in the open. It's yeah. It's not a conspiracy anymore because, like he said, this is a priming. It's a conditioning of the mind. So. When it happens, notice I said when, not if. Yeah, right. When it happens, people are going to be like, I knew it all along. I knew it sure. all along. You know what I mean? There yeah. are demigods. Uh -huh. and, um, so that's where we're headed. Now, I'm going to reel us back in because I know I went on a big circle, <laughs> but I wanted to do that on purpose. And I that's know good. I do that a lot, but we're going to come full circle because... I want to go through some of these. I'm going to read something, and then maybe you – I don't know if you have those slides in front of you. I do. Yeah, um, I do. Okay. So I want to start off with uh, – I like what John Haller calls uh, COVID. He calls it Charlie Vector 019. Charlie Vector 019. <laughs> That's pretty slick. He's getting away from the algorithm. It's yeah. great. You know, kudos to, to John Haller. Go watch him. Yeah. He's, he's good, too. He knows his stuff, especially in the Middle East. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, Charlie Vector 019er, the Pope. Let's kind of cover, let's go down the list because there's so much here to cover. I really would like to get through a lot. I know you went really, really quick at the conference. Yeah. yeah. So um, on Charlie Vector 019er, mm -hmm. did Jorge Bergoglio, aka Pope Francis, <laughs> what does he have to say about that? Why don't you oh boy. Well, he's perfectly in line with uh, the leftists on this. He argued that basically um, the earth was paying us back for its mistreatment by sending us the coronavirus. How outrageous is that? But, um, is, but that, is that is that a, a population control statement, if I ever heard one or not? Absolutely, man. It totally is. And uh, it's, it's stating that without stating it, you know, um, because if you're a leftist or you are you're like you, you can read through what he's saying. Yeah, he's totally for population control, but he can't say that as a Catholic. But that kind that kind of statement right there is, oh, so Earth is killing us as yeah. if it was a, a, a person and has the ability to kill us. That's really so, so do you think again, do you think sorry, side note that a possible explanation when the rapture happens is, oh, Mother Earth has cleansed itself of some sort. It's purged itself. Do you think that could be 
I, possible I, explanation? I totally see that. In fact, there's, they say it now. Now, a while back, there was a book that Chuck Missler wrote. And if anyone's interested in it, yeah, he did a, I think it's UFOs and something else. I can't remember the title, but what he did in that book is he chronicled quotes from people who were mediums and psychics who were channeling demons, basically. And anyway, what the demons were telling them was giving them excuses for what's going to happen. Because they would say something like this on the level, hey, in the future, there's going to be this massive population that disappears and um, they're going to be, and they would use the language of the Bible. This is weird. They would say in, in, in a twinkling of an eye. <laughs> yeah, it's know weird. the Bible, people. Right. Demons know the Bible. Satan knows the Bible better than I would imagine any pastor. Absolutely. On this earth. Okay. So they would use terminology like that. And, and they would say, these people are going to disappear in the twinkling of an eye. And, and it's going to, kind of, going to cause a lot of chaos. But then they, the demon would tell them, well, what it is, it's earth cleansing itself from the bad people that mean, need to be reeducated because they were the ones holding us back from spiritual evolution. Sure. And then they would add things like this. Oh, and by the way, yes, there's going to be a lot of children and babies that are gone, but don't worry. Don't worry. They were just taken to be helped to reeducate them as well, but they're wow. coming back. Wow. It, and they even included kids in the, the, the mediums channeling. Yeah. And, and so when you say that, it's like, well, the demons are already said that I, we already know what the lie is going to be. Yeah. They actually use language like this, that the, 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 the alien space spacecraft will beam them up. Wow. That's how they will go. How conditioned have we been? I think we covered this. Maybe how conditioned have we been? I mean, seriously, I have to say Steven Spielberg has got to be one of the biggest UFO, like, you know, yeah. fanatics out there. I mean, beam me up, Scotty. You've got, you know, Star Trek. You've got uh, Star even, Wars. Yeah. Even the last Indiana Jones, it was all about aliens. Aliens, yeah. The crystal, Something in the crystal, crystal skull. skull or something yes. like that. Yeah, included I mean, it. I, I Crazy. We, we watched it. And at the end, I'm like, I just wasted two hours yeah. of my life. I'm never going to get back. Wor worst Indiana Jones I've ever seen <laughs> is that movie right there. That was terrible. Yeah. You know, but it, it's it's going to happen. So, um, sorry. I know I, 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 um, rabbit trailed but but i have to I, I get all these thoughts and sometimes i always figure there's somebody out there who might be watching this who had that question in mind and they they would have loved to ask at some point in time if, if you guys are listening to this whoever's listening if you guys have questions that you would like answered why don't you send those to me at uh the email is it'll be linked below send them to me and when Brandon and I do our next sit down, we'll just do an entire Q&A sure. session. And uh, that, I think that would be really, really, really cool. We'll see what the response is. But if you guys have any questions, email them over to me. I'll send them over as I get them to Brandon. We'll compile them and then we'll see what we can get to on the next one. But anyways, okay, back to Charlie Vector 019er. So basically, even on the, the, the hit, he wants it to be quote unquote universal for all yeah he wants everyone to have the hit and he he calls those priests and i would include pastors as well sure. that that didn't follow the mandates of lockdowns 
um, that they were just simply adolescents, teenagers, or or what? He mocks them for you know being rebellious uh, uh, to state authority or governmental authority, and and we have seen him totally back uh, the hit. Uh, he goes to a, a hit live concert. He he has a, a health summit there with uh, Ouchie. Yeah, Ouchie. Yeah, Ouchie. Um, <laughs> Dr. Ouchie. Um, and it includes Cindy Crawford, Chelsea Clinton, and Joe Perry all pushing the hit. Yeah. And then then basically, this is, this is where the, the weirdness comes in, too. He asks all the religions to ask their gods for an end to the pandemic. And again, and like, yeah, for, for those who are wondering, the false prophet is going to be the one to unify these religions into a one world religion. Yeah. So, again, you guys, as as Brandon, Pastor Brandon is talking, you guys need to keep in mind the similarities. Again, we're not saying he is. OK, but you've got to keep in mind the similarities of what yep. we've read to you and what we're we're telling you of this is all fact. You can go look this stuff up yourselves. Yeah, it's, so, it's all out there. So yeah. think about this on that level. He is supposed to be a Catholic priest or, or a Catholic uh, you know, bishop or whatever. Now he's now the Pope. But according to Catholic dogma, there's only one God. But he is telling people to go to their own gods, which means he allows for them, like a good Jesuit, to keep their own foreign gods. Sure. sure. Man, man, that's the level of Jezebel. That's on the level, uh, you know, uh, when Israel started bringing other gods into the temple. Yeah. So he acknowledges other deities. Sure. Absolutely. So absolutely. there it is. There's the pattern. And then, you know, it's crazy if you guys can, you know, uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to put two and two together. Uh, we have uh, the Pope who is like best buddies with Ouchie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Ouchie went to a Jesuit high school and also attended a Jesuit college. Yes. And so um, it doesn't surprise me that the powers around the world, powers little p, because the ultimate power is with Jesus Christ, but the powers of the little p is that they're all coalescing together in order to, um, again, I believe, this is my opinion, the stage is completely set. I really believe that the main players on the stage, they're all right. We're just waiting for the curtains to be opened up on the stage because when we look, all around. Um, you had your naysayers, right? Pastor Brandon, tell me real quick, naysayers. I'm going to, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. No, you guys are just crazy. You, you guys have always talked about this rapture. They've been talking about the rapture for, for centuries and mm -hmm. nothing's ever happened. There's always been earthquakes. What's wrong with you guys? There's, there's always been, you know, uh, dictators. There's always been, uh, um, uh, crazy things happening all around disease and fam. We've always had that. What are you guys talking about? What would your answer be? How is it different now than it was back then? Yeah, I, I, I think I would answer it is because I go back to the Messiah. And what did Messiah say when they asked him at the Olivet Discourse, when, what would be the sign of the end of the age? That would be the key verse right there. And he answered that. He says, look, there's going to be a lot, a lot of non-signs. You'll hear wars and rumors of wars. That's regional skirmishes. And you'll hear people coming in my name. He goes, but that's not the sign. The sign will be, he says, 
when nation rises against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's the sign that the end of the age has begun. So what is that? That's a rabbinic term that was used in the first century to signal world war. Now, and then he combines world war with famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Okay, um, well, that, if, you, if you, you say, well, what's different? Well, in World War I, that was the first time in all of human history that there actually was a world war. Yeah. And basically, World War II is a continuation of it. Yeah. Both, both World War I and World War II, uh, at least World War I, satisfies what the Messiah is saying. When you see nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, that's world war. And it's combined with these other things. So some people, let me cut you off, because some people would say, well, we've had nation rise against nation, right? We've always had empires. Now I see the differences. Empires taking over empires, right? We've had the Assyrian sure, Empire, right? the Babylonian Empire. We've had the Grecian Empire. We've had the Roman Empire, which I want to make sure the Roman Empire was never, it was never taken over by anybody. It was never um, uh, conquered. It imploded. The Roman Empire imploded, so that's why we're going to see a resurgence of the Roman Empire soon, I believe. But um, so, what is the distinction between empires conquering nations, right? And then what you're talking about is nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There is definitely a distinction. Why don't you tell us what that is? There is a distinction, and when you you have to go back to what the first century, what that term means. It's a Hebrew idiom. And so with, when it's a Hebrew idiom, you have to understand what the Hebrew idiom is. You can't just take it in simple English. So it, 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 people will just take it in simple English. They'll say, well, nation rise against nation and kingdom. That seems like one nation against another nation and one kingdom against another kingdom. Yeah, in English, but you have to go back to the first century and how that phrase was actually used. And like, like um, even a guy like Dr. Frutenbaum will note that that phrase meant world war, not empire taking over empire, but multiple empires sure. fighting against each other at the same time, which happened in World War One yep. and World War Two. The That's war to end all wars. Yeah, it, that was the difference when you had not one nation or, or two nations, but a multiplicity of them. Sure. That's the first time in history that ever actually happened. You can't right. trace anything like that before. Yeah. And, and so if I use the Hebrew idiom and the, the, the way it was used to, and meant, then World War I satisfies that. So that's a big sign. But then that's a was, huge sign. Yeah, then the second, were, yeah, go ahead. Now, with accompanying that, this is what's interesting. Both World War I and World War, II, World War II both had an impact on the Jewish nation. Mm -hmm. You had the Balfour Declaration that come out of World War I, and, the, 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 and obviously Britain didn't carry through on that. Yeah. And then World War II brought enough sympathy for the Jews to return back to their nation. So here's an interesting thing about the world wars. They all had a significant impact on reestablishing Israel as a nation, yeah. sure. which is another sign. That's a super sign. That's a super sign. So World War I, World War II, these are super signs that the, the last days has begun. Yeah. We don't know how long the last days will go, but we are technically in the last days because of that. And the super signs are now being given. So Israel becomes a nation again, 1948. Then they take the mountains of Israel um, and the old city in the Six-Day War. 
which is significant because for Ezekiel to have uh, the Gog of Magog, you have to control the mountains of Israel, and they have that. Um, and so those super signs with Israel have been satisfied. Yeah. And therefore, that's why it's different. Yeah. Because if Israel's not back in the land, you're not going anywhere. Can I interject here real quick, too? Because um, I, I almost... I, I want to say is I've had that question asked of me before. And the way that I also throw in there is um, in regards to pestilences, right? We've always had outbreaks. We've always had um, uh, pandemics, I guess, but real ones. Yeah. Not, not that this, uh, let me back up. Not that this wasn't real. Okay. It was the, vi the virus. Exactly. COVID, oh, you know, uh, COVID. Charlie Vector 019er. <laughs> um, but no, COVID was, it's definitely a real virus. It's not that it's fake and it definitely went all around the world. The nefarious reasons behind it, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But um, the difference is that there's always been opportunists in the elites to want to take advantage of, I think it was Rahm Emanuel who said, you know, we always have to be ready to take advantage of a crisis at any moment That's something right. along those lines. Um, but you have that mindset and they've never really been able to capitalize on these um, pandemics, on these wars, you know, whatever else, Yeah. except and until this one. That's right. If you go back to 2010, uh, there was a document that was put out by... Um, it was like an exercise they did. I forget what it's called. I have the PDF. I think they've taken it down since. But it was uh, Bill Gates was involved in it. And they did this scenario on a coronavirus outbreak pandemic. Event Supposedly, 201, is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, Event 201. Thank yeah. you very much. If you read Event 201, the PDF of Event 201, it reads exactly like the script for what we just went through from 2020, the last, what, 15, 16, 18 months? Yeah. Exactly the same way. And so they've been able to capitalize on this. And I do believe they've been uh, preconditioning people, too, in movies. Uh, sure. Pastor J.D. Farag did a fabulous job. He did one uh, last year, I believe. He put together a prophecy um, update. And he went through all of the preconditioning in the movies. It's uh -huh. insane. It'll blow your mind. The movies wow. in the last 10 years, even kids cartoons. Anyways, I digress. So um, we've had, yes, we've had those in the past, but this is the first time in world history that they've been able to take something like that and use it in a way to control the masses um, and do what they're doing with the hit. It's, it's yeah. crazy to see what is happening. And so there's something obviously very nefarious and evil and satanic. We know behind it what that is, but and what it's leading to. But there's a very, very, very big difference between the then and the now. We have yeah. uh, rumors of wars, also threats of wars. For those of you who have been reading the news, um, I'm hoping I can get this edited in less than a week because, um, or else it's just it, too much time goes by. But uh, <laughs> China's sending a ton of jets into Taiwanese airspace. Mm -hmm. Why are they doing that? Because um, I think Pastor Brandon would agree that the U.S., we're, we're pretty much rendered 
powerless in the sense of our administration. Yeah. What do you think about that? I want you to talk. I don't want to do the talk. Oh, no, no, you're, you're right. We have shown now um, that we're imploding mm -hmm. just like the Roman Empire did. And this is all on purpose, by the way, because the globalists had to get rid of America. Mm -hmm. And so um, they and Netanyahu they, and, Netanyahu. and Netanyahu too, right? So you have the same problem going on with Israel mirroring yep. what's going on in America. And so now we have an administration that all they want to do is eat ice cream, um, so to speak. And and we have not shown the world that they can trust us that 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 uh, you can rely on the U.S. Yeah. Um, or that we're we're powerful anymore. We have woke generals now um, that have more in concert with China than than, you know, caring about the Americans left in Afghanistan. Yeah. So the whole world is seeing this, that America's on the decline or is declined. And so that's why China's flexing its muscles and Russia is too, and Iran and all these rogue nations, even North Korea is flexing its muscles because they know Biden's not going to do anything. Sure. And, and, and America's not going to do anything because we're on the decline now. Big and so they're not looking to us anymore. So that's why... When the cat's away, the mice play. Sure. That's why things are different this go around than as things have been in the past in previous years. Another thing that I yeah. want to throw out there is our economy is toast. And you yeah, know, it's ready to explode. It's ready to explode. So when you look at what the Antichrist is going to do is he's going to come on the scene and he's going to seem to rescue the world by creating a one world currency. I don't mean cryptocurrencies okay i'm not saying i'm not talking about bitcoin or any of those because cryptocurrencies aren't um the the governments have no control over those and they right. have no government oversight and and the governments want oversight on the currency because it brings control it brings power so that's not going to be a cryptocurrency that's going to happen in the end days with the antichrist but we're seeing the shadows big time form over the economy. And I just mentioned China. I think today came out that China, um, their economy is literally imploding as we speak right now. Um, yeah. And you know what, they are, they're flexing their military muscle, but on the flip side of that, uh, their, their, you know, their economy's toast as well. And what is that going to mean for the entire world? Because how many countries are so heavily vested in China, including the United States? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, if they collapse, we collapse. Um, the world be forced into going to this digital currency that they want. So and how probably, close are we? Yeah, we're close because at the, at this point, even the, the U.S. government is already um, trying to figure out how to produce a um, digital federal yep. dollar or yeah. currency. And and so yeah, you're right about Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies. They're going to be eliminated mm -hmm. because you're right the government doesn't control that. Mm -mm. And so uh, they're going to be pushed to the side and there's going to be probably regionals that will start and then eventually develop into a one world yeah. once they get that. But they're they're ready to do it. They want to do it. Sure. And some of the yeah. stores are not right now are not even accepting cash anymore. Uh, I know a lot of the, your amusement parks are not accepting cash anymore. Angel, Angel Stadium doesn't. Yeah, okay. Everything so, in Angel Stadium, we just went to a couple games this season. Everything from the moment you drive in from parking to any of the vendors, there is no cash accepted there. Yeah. Everything is card driven. So, um, okay. Yeah, we're me, there. Yeah. Let me keep moving. Uh, folks, you guys, uh, we'll, we'll get into this uh, at another time because 
things are just constantly developing and I want to respect uh, Pastor Brandon's time as well. So let's move on real quick. Uh, if we can, uh, maybe we can just go down the list. How does the um, Pope uh, feel about the Messiah? <laughs> well, I, I honestly don't think he thinks too much about Jesus. Yeah. Because when he calls Jesus and, and his work on the cross an utter failure, um, then you know what side he's on. Yeah. And I don't know any born again believer who would ever say that Jesus' work on the cross was a failure, but this guy has, right? Can you read and, the quote? Yeah. The quote says this when you don't understand something, when, when desperation hits you, uh, then look at the cross. That is the great failure of God. That it, uh, that is, is the destruction of God. And it's a challenge to our faith. And this is the hope because history does not end in that failure. Wow. Well, here you go. That's quote unquote, um, calling Jesus's work on the cross, a complete failure. Mm -hmm. Now I would expect that from a guy who worships or allows the worship of other foreign gods. But if that doesn't tell you right now what side he's on, I don't know sure. how to how to else convince you of that. And I think years ago he called God the magician in the sky. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I think that was a, quite a few years ago when he first got installed. That was one of the blunders the Catholic Church tried to cover up. But he called God the magician in the sky. Um, oh, and then boy. I know on his work of on I don't know. Did you did we cover evolution? Because I know he's like a big. Uh, he, he definitely believes in evolution. Yeah. Sure. I don't, I don't, did I cover it? It's okay. Part? You know what? Um, there's so much. So one on, on a one world religion, which is what we were talking about in the very beginning, how is he similar to, um, to the false prophet? So in the, what you wrote here. Yeah. 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 So let me, um, let me get up there real quick. Hold on. Yeah, no, no worries. This is what I, this is why I love doing things the way I do it. It's very informal. Uh, but we get the information out there for everybody that's watching. So go ahead, February 2019. Okay. Yeah. So as you can see with the Pope, he, he's very ecumenical, very plur pluralistic. And, and he's been pushing all these faiths are coming together. And so like we talked about earlier about him signing this um, peace treaty with Sheikh Ahmad Al-Tayyib. It wasn't just simply saying, look, we have a lot in common with Sunni Islam. Um, this this whole thing was meant to gather the world's religions. And it started with one of the, the hardest religions to deal with, which is Islam. Mm -hmm. And so now Islam is coming to the table, at least on, on the, uh, Sunni the Sunni side, side, and saying, hey, look, we're willing to work with you in this generic sense, you know, but... Um, but really what it leads into is like what he said on May 14th, 2020, he says, we are all brothers and sisters. Well, that's, that goes against the Bible. Sure. We're not all brothers and sisters. Only believers in Messiah are brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. not me and Joe Pagan out there. Yeah. And he goes, thus men and women of every religious confession, we unite ourselves today in prayer and penance to ask for the grace of healing from this pandemic. Each one uh, from wherever they are and according to the teachings of their religion, faith or sect should implore God to lift this pandemic off of us. And so that's is this universal prayer of all religions. He says every religious confession uh, and he calls them all brothers and sisters yeah. to implore God. OK, yeah. there it is. I, yeah. I, I don't need to go any further. He has stated that he's for 
a conglomerate of religions coming together for yeah. common cause issues. Absolutely. And and you also mentioned in one of your slides that he attended an interreligious peace and fraternity, <laughs> right? You want to, why don't you tell us a little bit about that real quick? So it not only included, uh, you know, other, other tr Christian traditions or when Protestants probably and, and things of that nature, but it included other people from all these major world religions in basically an ecumenical uh, service, and he called it an encounter of prayer for peace in the spirit of Assisi. <laughs> and, and the theme is, check this out, the theme is, quote, no one is saved alone, mm. peace and fraternity. Oh. And you're thinking, wait a second, man, he didn't even understand salvation. You are saved alone by Jesus Christ. You don't, yeah. you don't, what he's referring to in this is collective salvation. Yeah, not that the five we, solas, right? Right. Yeah, not the five solas, that's for sure. And 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 in his communistic background, salvation is attained by uh, attaining common goals, sure. common agendas. Yeah. And so that's what you 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 hear from like remember when Obama was the president, he talked about collective salvation. Hmm. And that we as a society can save ourselves by eradicating racial disharmony, uh, social justice, and all these other things. And so your salvation is not found in Jesus, but in social justice activities. Yeah, That's right. what he's saying right here, basically. So works-based, works really. Works, yeah, yeah, totally works-based, right? Yeah. And but, but he's telling you he doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Sure, sure. And that should clue in every Catholic, because that's Catholic dogma. Catholic dogma sure. does teach that. But he's going against his own Catholic church, and I don't understand why they don't pull him out of there. Yeah, well, but, yeah, you and I both know that, unfortunately, the Catholic church has a history, and, and to this day of, uh, you know, it's not just about Jesus. It's not no. just about Jesus. It's no. just merit and, and you know, go down the list, and then veneration of Mary and, and the deification of Mary, and it's just a big fat mess. So, um, okay, so... October 2019. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah please fill us so in. So this is where he includes these other animistic gods. So on October 2019, he defends Pacha. I, I can't even pronounce it right. It's Pachamama. Pachamama. Okay. Yes. Pachamama. Well, anyway, that's a, it's a, 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 a false god from, I think, the Amazon River. Yeah, but anyway, these, America. these, these Amazon, and, and I don't know if you, sh you, you have the pictures, but... Yeah, I'll they put came the picture up. Okay. So anyway, they came to the Vatican, man, and he's honoring them. And then they're, he lets them bow down to Pachama Mama um, right there on the Vatican grounds. Yeah. And it was the most ins it, 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 just insane thing I've ever seen. I mean, we're talking an animistic type of God out of like ancient... Amazon basin types of stuff. I mean, this yeah. is like really, really pagan. Yeah. And he's saying, Hey man, go for it. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's crazy. so that should tell everybody. I mean, this, this is why I think he's a leading candidate for the false prophet, because this is exactly what the false prophet will do. All right. So uh, moving on. Um, they also, <laughs> I have this picture here, which is great. And I'm looking at my screen right here for anybody wondering what I'm looking at. It's a picture of the Pope and he's got uh, four Buddhists right there in front of him. <laughs> tell us, tell so, us a little, let, let's just keep moving on. We might crazy, as well. Man. 
it, it, it just it, it's it's one folly after another, man. And so he commends the Buddhists for celebrating their feast of Vesaka. I can't even pronounce it, but but anyway, what it, it, it basically is calling for universal solidarity with Buddhism. Okay, Buddhism is an atheistic religion. I mean, they don't believe in a god per se, and but he's including atheists as well. And so you have that going on, and it, it's just over and over again. And it's like, how much evidence does this guy have to give the world that this guy works for Satan? Well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I'm getting at is, is you have all of this. I mean, it's not like they're hiding any, he's not hiding anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's out there in the open, but people are still like, wow, that guy's a good man. Good man. Right. I mean, you you have evangelicals saying that the Pope is a great man of God. What? Are you crazy? <laughs> How can he be a man of God? He denies the, the salvation through Christ as it was a failure. I mean, come on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, if you guys want, go listen to Mike Gendron. Yeah. Go to his website. If you, I, I highly encourage anybody to go proclaiming the gospel. I believe it is proclaiming the gospel. Um, I'll link to it down below too. Because um, I don't ever want anyone to not have resources. There are plenty of resources out there. First and foremost, the Bible. And then there's so many out there for you guys not to be ignorant. So don't be ignorant. Get out there, do your studying. I'm going to keep moving on here because there's, we're almost there. (laughs) (laughs) There's just so much. I know. Uh, You know what? There's so much. Um, It's okay. Let's just keep moving on because we're almost there. Uh, if you want to just go down these bullet points, yeah. these are great. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. go, go ahead. I'll let you go down these bullet points. Okay. So, you, you know, to, to just continue to add to this guy's repertoire of satanic, uh, satanic practices and, and beliefs, he, dr- he drops um, the Vicar of Christ in the annual Vatican yearbook. And you think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, he comes in his own name. That's a big deal. No pope ever has come in his own name. And, and, and again, it shows you the pompous and arrogant attitude. Even though he comes from humble origins, he's blasphemous because of how, how much he thinks of himself. And it, that's, I think that's where you see the pride in this man and, and, that, and the fact that he comes in his own name. And, and dropping the title Vicar of Christ. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with anything associated to Jesus. Sure. And, and even I'll say this much, the title Vicar of Christ, you shouldn't even be using that in the first place. Right, part. exactly. You know, so I want to make that crystal clear. Um, but yeah, go ahead. I'll let you keep going. I know I just had to jump in there and say that. Go for it. Yeah. And, and, and so um, it's just... He goes on and he says that, uh, you know, atheists are children of God. No, they're not. The scripture doesn't say you're, you're only a child of God if you're born again. But apparently he hasn't read that. He denounces Christians who want borders as non-Christians and basically called, you know, Christian fundamentalists the scourge. Wow. So you and I, Pablo, are the scourge to him. So he's attacking the Philadelphia remnant element and calling us the scourge. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Then he tells uh, Catholics in Rome that a personal relationship with Jesus is dangerous and harmful. Okay, well, there you go. And then let's let's look at how he views Israel. Why can I probably, if I didn't know anything, I could probably guess where he is at with Israel. Okay, but, but what's, the, what's the Catholic Church's official stance on Israel so that everybody's crystal clear on that? <laughs> well, 
they have officially agreed to formally recognize the state of Palestine. And, and so they, they don't see Israel's right to that land. Right. They believe that Israel has, because of replacement theology, which the Catholic Church originated from with Augustine, um, they believe they're the new Israel. So when they see Israel today as coming back in a nation, they don't even see that as prophetically significant or that they're the children of God because they think the covenant has been abrogated. And so they don't even, they don't even acknowledge the Abrahamic covenant. So to, to them, Israel is a non-entity. And so what do they do? They automatically line up with uh, the, the terrorist organization, uh, the PLO or Fatah or Hamas, and support them. And so it shouldn't be any surprise. And then you, you see back in 2018, he said he wanted to look to Jerusalem for a city for all peoples, a unique and sacred city for Christians, Jews, and Muslims from all over the world. He got, he, he got Abu Dhabi instead. Yeah, right. He got Abu Dhabi instead. And, and Israel wasn't about to let him have that. But at the, at the, at the point of, like, who does he think he is? That he's bigger than God to say, Israel or Jerusalem doesn't belong to the Jewish people. That's crazy. But obviously, when you don't believe the Bible, you don't believe the Abrahamic covenant, you don't believe in God. Well, that's what you end up with. That's right. So, so he always, even when back in May, when Israel was being attacked by Hamas, he just went uh, bulldozed right through the truth and started supporting, you know, the Palestinians and, and the rockets that they were firing into Israel and didn't say anything negative to the Palestinians, but demonized Israel. Right. And it's like, hey, dude, Israel's just defending themselves. Even if you didn't believe anything religiously about Israel, common sense would tell you a country's under attack by a bunch of terrorists. I can tell you who's at fault here. Yeah, absolutely. He, he can't, he can't, there's no common sense in this because it's part of the satanic narrative that Israel's evil. Well, and, and that they've been carrying that on for, for quite some time. He's just really taken it up to the umpteenth level. You know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. And then if you want to look at his stance on radical environmentalism, he's there with the leftists, of course. Uh, he, he's quote unquote said, Let's, let us take care of Mother Earth. Let us finally inaugurate the eco-sustainable lifestyle and society, responding to the cry of the earth, responding to the cry of the poor, green economics, adopting a simple lifestyle, green education, green spirituality, and a community engagement. Well, that's what, what right out of Marx's playbook. Yeah, what does that mean anyways? Green, green, green. Everything's green. And so it shows you what sides he's on. He you know, believes in Mother Earth type of thing, uh, earth worship, creation worship. And that's exactly what Romans 1 says. If you don't worship the creator, you'll worship the creation. So he's right in line with that. Yep. You know, and, and then he's, you know, he's, he, he has his own apocalypse for the planet that we don't take care of the planet and we're going to have apocalyptic consequences. And then in November 2020, he adds that sins against the environment. He adds that to uh, Catholic catechism that you can commit sins against the environment. How convenient, huh? I mean, wow, really? How, how does that, you know, that's working for Greta Thunberg and the rest of these radical <laughs> environments because they, you know, it's right in line with that. And then in 2020 of September last year, he calls fossil fuels immoral. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you're like, okay, man, I, I totally get where you're at, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's not hiding it at all. No. 
no. Uh, then issues Earth Day proclamations in 2021, um, advocates rest restorative justice for the environment, um, goes along with the Paris Climate Agreement. And if we don't do it, it'll prove catastrophic. I mean, whoa. I mean, he is as radical an environmentalist as anything else. Yeah, well, he's in line with all of them. Sure, totally. So um, where does he stand on homosexuality? And this is going to be the last one. I think you guys all get the point. Uh, we've, we've covered a whole lot of information. But tell us real quick, where does he stand on this whole issue of homosexuality? Well, he's obviously said enough things, and I'll, I'll quote these things to you to show you that he's very pro-homosexual, pro-lesbian, pro-LGBT movement, everything. And so he, you know, he performed a mass for gay Catholics. That's number one. Number two, he said homosexuals, homosexual people have the right to be in a family. They are children of God. Wait a second. What are you talking about? Again, you have to be born again to be a child of God. Sure. Then he goes on and says, you can't kick someone out of the family nor make their life miserable for this. Well, what about Paul in first Corinthians chapter five, where you had an immoral brother that wouldn't repent? He kicked them out of the church, mm -hmm. right? He didn't allow them to continue to practice sexual immorality, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. Sure. And yet this guy's saying you can't do anything bad to them. Yeah. Well, okay. Then we're, I guess we're not in concert with the Bible. And, um, and then he goes on is what we have to have is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered. And again, it's just more support for sure. gay marriage, basically. Sure. And then he goes and says this in 2000, uh, 2013, if a person is gay and seeks God and has goodwill, who am I to judge? <laughs> well, we are supposed to judge that because it's already been judged by the Bible. It's right. an abomination. Right. Along with other sins. But yep. he says he can't judge that. Yeah. Then he told a gay man, Juan Carlos Cruz, quote, that that you are gay does not matter. The people, the Pope loves you like this. You have to be happy with who you are. Mm. Well, what would it, wait a second. Yeah. If I were to use another passage from the Bible, like the woman caught in adultery, which, you know, didn't have witnesses. So he dismisses the case. Yeah. But what does he say to her? Go and sin no more. Yeah. He doesn't say, well, you just got to be happy that you're, you got caught in adultery or, and, and Jesus loves you. No. So he is showing more support for the whole gay lifestyle. In fact, the advocate a gay magazine made him the, the the person of the year on their magazine. Did he make the front cover? He made the front cover, man. And then wow. it is right on front there for everyone to see. And so how do the how do the LGBT movement interpret him? They interpret him as an advocate. Sure. So, so do do good. I mean, if it feels good, do it pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So we covered a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff we didn't cover, which is totally okay. But yeah. here's the uh, here's the takeaway from this. The false prophet is real. Um, he's going to come on the scene just like the Antichrist is going to come on the scene during the seven-year tribulation. Yeah. And as bad as things are now, they're nothing. People are going to wish they were in 2020 Yeah. during the tribulation. They're going to wish they were in 2021. You don't have to be left behind. You don't have to go through that. And I'll even take it a step further. The Bible says that uh, tomorrow is promised to no man. So whether it's you graduate via the rapture or you graduate via death, it doesn't matter. You can, you can rest assured that you either don't have to go through hell on earth.
because that's exactly what it's going to be for seven years. Or you can have the assurance that your last breath here on, on earth is going to be your first breath in the presence of Jesus Christ. And that should bring hope to everybody listening today. For anybody that might have lost a lot of hope, and I'm sure there's billions of people that have lost a lot of hope. Yes, we've covered really, really heavy topics, but I always like to leave the hope for the end. This is, is I like what Pastor Jack says. It doesn't matter where you live, whatever, however hot it gets, right? Like here in Southern California, you can get pretty hot, but he says, this is as hot as it's going to get for the believer. Yes, right. And I love that. Yeah. It really paints a beautiful picture. So Pastor Brandon, would you mind sharing that hope with those that might be listening? Sure. So if you've heard what we said and, and, and kind of understand it a little bit, what we're saying is something bad is going to happen in the future called the tribulation. Um, and so one of two things can happen. You can accept Christ now or, or not, and you, you throw yourself into a peril if you don't. And I'll explain how you accept Christ. But you, you, you will go through the worst time that's predicted in human history by God. And not only that, if you die, which most people in the tribulation will die, you will be cast into the lake of fire because of your unbelief in the Messiah. Right. And so the good news is, is God is trying to offer salvation to anyone who will simply believe. And what you have to understand is that we are sinners and uh, we deserve physical death and we deserve spiritual death, um, be separated from God for all eternity. But God didn't let us stay in that state. He sent his son, Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, to, to be born uh, a virgin by the virgin. And he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And then he went to the cross to pay for our sins, to be the sacrifice for our sins. And he's, he was buried after that. He rose on the third day and is alive now. Amen. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And what God offers is the free gift of salvation to anyone who will believe in the person and work of Jesus, Amen. that Jesus is the God man. He is the Messiah of Israel. And he did the work for your salvation on the cross. He paid God the penalty that you owed God, and you could never pay him back in an eternity in hell. And because of that, he says, I will take away your sins. I will give you my righteousness if you will simply believe who I am and what I did for you. Amen. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. And if you will just place your faith in him, um, he will save you, will write you in the Lamb's book of life. Your name will not be blotted out of, of the book of life. And you will be raptured prior to the worst time in history. Can you lead us in a prayer, Pastor Brandon? Absolutely. So if you're wanting to do this, you can pray a simple prayer. Just repeat after me something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe you died on a cross to pay for my sins. I believe you were, you were buried and that you rose on the third day. I, I know I cannot earn salvation. I know I don't deserve it, but I receive you by faith. So, Lord, save me, make me born again, and take me to heaven if I should die or if I'm raptured. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. So if any of you guys prayed that prayer, please, please let us know. You can either let Pastor Brandon know, you can email me, either one. If you don't have a Bible, I'm always saying no excuse. Let us know. Let me know. We'll get one out to you. And uh, Pastor Brandon, thanks so much. Betcha, for man. Out with us. Anytime. Um, we're going to have Pastor Brandon on again. Before we go, if you guys want, I have to say this because I've never said this before, but I was encouraged to say this. Go to the Serpents and Doves website. Check out the gear that we have. Um, there's a ton of good stuff there. Get some gear because they're great conversation starters. If you guys don't know how to start a conversation to help share the gospel, get some gear. The last questions, and it's a perfect open door for anybody to share the gospel. Pastor Brandon, thanks again. We're going gotcha. to do this again. I hope you guys were blessed as always, encouraged, and most importantly, challenged. Get into the word. Let the word of God get into you. Until the next time, God bless you guys. Bye.